everyone. Welcome to the Rotor Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, DBTPFL. It's Monday. It's September 28th. It's 2020. And um, we're going to talk some NFL, kind of like a rewind uh, review. And um, I'm joined by my buddy, Jordan Cooper. Blenderhead, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, losing losing week. Uh, I won the first two. And uh, a 2v2 separated me from my money. Oh, well, we'll definitely have to get into that. Like, I'm three for three on the season. I'm not going to even tr- begin to try to get cocky. I've made um, some good decisions. But, like, I haven't had a big day yet. And, like, today was the closest I've been. Um, I was, like, top 30 in some qualifiers and some um, tournaments over on FanDuel. And, like, I just – I needed a Schultz or um, CD Lamb touchdown, like, garbage time touchdown to, like, put me to have a shot. But, you know, it happens. So, um, we're gonna we're gonna go back. We're gonna do kind of what you've been doing for months now here on Rotor Grinders, um, and just kind of we're gonna look at some double ups. We're gonna look at you know some big tournaments, some high dollar tournaments, the Millie Maker, the Slant, all kinds of different buy in tournaments, single entry stuff, tri- you know three entry max, single entry double ups, all kinds of stuff. So we're just gonna kind of go back and review, look at week three. Um, and just kind of look at, you know, what, what not only stood out to us, where we potentially could have got some leverage in tournaments and, and just kind of go over things, Blender. Yeah, this is what people should be doing. I always say on the pregame show, this is what I do most mornings, sometimes late at night, is that I use Results DB. It's a learning tool. This is how I learned how to play by studying good players' lineups. So Results DB is, is free. Not only to premium members, yeah, we update that typically in the morning. That's why I typically wait then. And you could just look at you could look at everyone's exposures. You could look at the differences between ownerships and contests and see where the sharp players went that maybe you didn't, or places that they went to get leverage that you decided elsewhere. Maybe you considered a certain game to stack and you went a different way. Well, how, what other what did sharp players do? Because there could be a lot of correct decisions in GPPs. It just depends on which way which way you want to go. So learn from the best. All right, so we're going to start here with the massive $5 double up. This is the one that you can put in 150 teams. Um, you know, we're going to be doing this Sunday night um, for the foreseeable future here for Monday's podcast. And, like, we're going we're gonna to kind of, like, just, you know, hope that um, luckily, like, RG team's awesome, and, like, you know, behind the scenes, we were able to get some contests um, posted in Results DB for us. So, um, you know, some weeks we'll hopefully be able to review, like, ownership on, like, the $5 single entry stuff. But we're going to we're gonna start here with this massive um, $5 double up. The highest-owned um, pl- highest player was Miles Sanders. He was 88.88% owned. Um, do you think that was more of just, like, pricing or – you know, do you ever think someone should be 88% owned? Well, in cash games, he's underpriced. He was 6,300. Bell cow row for, for the Eagles against the Bengals. Yeah, he only put up 14.7 points, but he didn't kill you in cash. The cash construction, the double-up type of construction, uh, if you didn't play Kyler Murray in your quarterback spot, you messed up. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah I know Russell Wilson put up a big game. Uh, he was 9% owned in the, the massive double-up. The correct move was Kyler Murray at 6,800. I think that that's easy. And then the three running backs, you had a choice. I mean, if we take a look at the ownership here, Miles Sanders, 
88%. Jonathan Taylor, 55%. Kenyon Drake, 46%. Devin Singletary, 45%. And then it kind of go, then, then we got to look. Some Jarek McKinnon, but not much. Uh, I mean, you don't see much, you don't even see much like Zeke or the high priced like Derrick Henry. So you were probably were playing three of either Sanders, Taylor, Drake, or Singletary. I went with the construction that had Singletary and not Drake, but I can understand, like there were a lot of people in Discord asking about, can I play three Cardinals in cash? The answer is yes. In GPP, probably that's not the best route. Probably a Drake touchdown takes away points from Murray and Hopkins because Murray's not running it in or Hopkins is not catching a reception. But if you play all three in cash, you don't care about the positive correlation for a ceiling. You just know that if you roster all three of them, you're probably going to get, unless Andy and Isabella gets two of them, you're probably going to get most of the Cardinals production. And you don't have to guess. You don't have to think, well, if I don't play Hopkins, like what happens if he gets there and I have Drake? Or I have, or I have Hopkins and I don't have Drake and what happens if Drake gets there? So I didn't do it, but I definitely considered it. So I went down because I didn't want to play at wide receiver. I didn't want to play any wide receiver, if I could, under 5,000. Turns out that ended up being my, mis- my, my undoing. Uh, but, but that's why I, I, I thought that Singletary without Moss there in a pace-up matchup against the Rams, like I thought, I thought his floor was there. He's gonna get, he's gonna get 20, 20 plus touches. Yeah, Allen may vulture a touchdown from him because it's because that's what he does. But I just thought he was more secure than me going down at wide receiver to the you know try to play KJ Hamler or something and do that build or Chris Hogan or one of the Jets guys. I didn't trust any of them, but. Pretty much in cash games, if you didn't play three of those four, you, you didn't do what the sharp players did. Well, I must not be sharp because I didn't play three of those four. So, but do you um, play double up, Stevie? This isn't single entry GPP. This is just no, I no, I, I did. I, I do play double ups and stuff for football. Um, but yeah, I I I said it on the Morning Grind Football podcast or last week. Like nothing was talking me off of Austin Eckler. Like nothing. Like Joshua I was playing, Kelly wasn't? I was playing Austin Eckler no matter what, Jordan. Like it, there was nothing talking me off of Austin Eckler this week. And listen, he had a really good game. Um, he had 11 catches, which was phenomenal. But like well, I, you I got had the perfect t- game script. They were down. You right? No, listen. Hey, I'm not saying like uh, I'm not even like I said. I'm not even saying nothing like that. Like I played Taylor and Sanders. Um, so I had two of the chalkier running backs. Like. Um, and, and like I played Hogan, I still put up 146 and I had a really good day, but right, like Hogan got a zero, he, he got a it. zero zelch, not a, um, but I played Lockett. So like it all kind of, it all kind of worked out, but you know, um, the thing like you were talking about, like if you didn't play Murray, um, I think there was, I, I honestly, I think there was three cash game quarterbacks this week. I, I think, you know, is Murray Wilson Dak, like, and, like, if you look at these double-ups, like, it, it's exactly – like, people are getting sharper. And, and, like, we saw a little bit of Cam. I think, like, Trubisky was getting way too cute in cash. And, like, like all these guys – like, if you weren't playing, like, Murray, Wilson, or Dak, you were getting cute in cash, in my opinion. And, like, on DraftKings at the price, like, Murray was just so much cheaper than everybody, um, you know, like you said. 
Um, you know, Just Murray to was point the point out. We're, we're going to be talking because it's results DB of DraftKings only. FanDuel right. is a FanDuel's a different story. We don't get those results. It's not publicly downloaded CSVs. So, and also FanDuel pricing was in a way where you could have played like you could have played like thirty different types of lineups. And you, oh yeah, you, you would have still. They all look good. DraftKings is a little bit sharper. Um, let's kind of talk about wide receiver in this big double up here. You know, we saw a lot of ownership on Hopkins, Deontay Johnson, um, Tyler Lockett, CeeDee Lamb. Like, nothing too crazy here. I, I feel like the only thing that kind of stood out to me was, like, Calvin Rid- Ridley and Gage were both under 10% with the Julio news. Do you think, like, they potentially could have been more, or do you think it was just more of, like, pricing and kind of where you ended up? Well, they should have been more because that's how I got screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I had the worst 2v2 in cash imaginable. Worst one imaginable because it equaled out. I originally had in my lineup that I was going to play Tyler Lockett and Adam Humphreys. But like okay. I said, I, I'm not thrilled about playing the, the, the sub. I didn't want to play Nikhil Harry if I could avoid it or Humphreys or Hogan or KJ Hamler. And then once the Julio news came out, I'm like, okay, I could switch Lockett. Because I take a look at Humphreys, and Humphreys is not like a ceiling player. Like, if I – like, yes, can I get seven points from him? Sure. But, I mean, I don't have any outs unless he – if he doesn't get it. Like, he's not a 100-yard – like, I like having guys that, you know, that have outs. Uh, Lockett is not a volume receiver. Like, he, he ended up getting nine catches, but, I mean, he doesn't average – he's not a double-digit type of guy from Russell Wilson. He has great ceiling. I mean, I, I, I love Lockett. I had plenty of Lockett uh, this week. But I thought the combination of Lockett and Humphreys was like higher variance than the combination that I took. And I went with the targets, and it perfectly evened out. Like the combination of the two was about the same. And it was the two guys that got a concussion. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you can't, Johnson and Russell Gage. <laughs> can't predict. You can't predict injuries, man. Like, right, it's but the I worst. mean, from a target yeah. perspective, if you yeah. get, like the average targets, I'm going to get more targets from those two guys, and they both have upside for 20 plus points. So that's why I sided and I looked at the projections, and the, the difference in the median was like a point. So I'm like, I'll take the point hit and get a better floor. And it turns out that their floor is like they had their head hit the floor, and they were done. Um, you know, tight end was, you know, Logan Thomas was very popular. Um, he was, he, he was still really cheap, but I feel like, like I played Logan Thomas. Um, I don't know where you ended up at tight end, but like he, he was just really cheap. Like, you know, roster construction wise, he kind of allowed you to do a lot and like, you know, no outside of like Jimmy Graham and like, um, the Tyler Croft, right. The Buffalo tight end, like nobody really like had a massive game um at tight end so like tight end wasn't like getting seven points from your like high chalk owned tight end was not going to kill you because like nobody really went crazy this week right like the tight end didn't matter if, if, if you got a zero at tight end it probably didn't really matter much but at like wide i, I want to go back to wide receiver because okay. i also considered Allen robinson in cash i considered all the thing i i considered everything that was better than the two guys that got concussed in the game but i think I think in in cash, what were your thoughts? Uh, a lot I could I'm, I could understand playing Lockett or Metcalf even if you wanted to play right. Metcalf instead because the 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 targets are much more condensed on Seattle, 
I wasn't all that thrilled about landing on Cooper or Gallup or Lamb. Like I could set, like Lamb was in that range, like 5,600. Like I could settle on him, but he's like the third option on the team for 5,600. But we saw, we saw these guys and we take a look at the, the double ups. I mean, Lamb came in at like 29%. Cooper came in at 19%. I mean, Gallup really wasn't owned. Uh, like I just thought that, like, if I'm going to play Cooper, I'd just rather play Lockett or Robinson. Because, I mean, with Robinson against the Falcons, I mean, who else did the Bears throw to? And especially when Nick Foles came in, then you actually have someone that can throw the ball. Uh, but, like, to me, those were, those were the only other. Like, yeah, you could make a build with K.J. Hamler. He was 14% owned. He got, like, six points. Uh, that was perfectly fine also. If you, yeah, I mean, we, we, we didn't mention the, 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 the guy that should have been in your cash lineup regardless of, of uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Like that was the build. Like that, that was your core build. Murray Hopkins, three of those, three of those types of running backs. If you wanted to play Eckler and get lucky, that's fine. Uh. <laughs> listen, hey, listen. I get I, why, because it's Carolina. I get it. It's just that uh, they splitting work and I didn't want to do that at that price. No, like I, I hear you. Um, I'm not saying that, like, I just, you know, when you're on someone and you're like, I'm not letting anything, like I was super heavy on Eckler coming into the season. I'm like, it's two weeks. It's Carolina. Like I'm not overreacting. I'm playing Eckler. And like, it, it just nothing was going to change my mind on that. So um, I ended up at wide receiver. I played Cooper and Lockett. Um, so I did not play Hopkins. Um, I went naked Murray Um my roster construction was kind of weird this week, but I liked yeah, the you team. Had, you had Eckler and no Hopkins. Of course it was weird. I like, I, I liked the team. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to roll with it. Um, so, you know, I, I debated, uh, man, I went back and forth, back and forth on like which jets wide receiver. I played the wrong one um, that I was going to play. Like, I was like, they're going to trail the whole game. And like, you know, they're going to throw the ball. Um, they're but not they going to be able to run the they ball. They ran more round running plays. Even <laughs> That's crazy. It, it's so crazy. Um, <laughs> like, you know, Barrios had a um, – he had a really good game. He was not even close to owning cash games. We'll talk – we'll, we'll kind of circle back to him when we get into, like, tournament talk and stuff. But, um, you know, defense – I never really pay attention to defense. De- like, the Eagles were, like, super, super popular. They were they were 2,800. Um, they they just, you know, they they made the builds. Um, and, and, like, the Giants, like, if they wouldn't turn the ball over so much and, like, gave San Francisco such great field position so much, like, a lot of people ended up on the Giants in cash games as well. Right, but defense really didn't make you unless you played nope. the Colts and you paid up 4,100 for 26 points because Sam Darnold's throwing the ball. But, I mean, the Eagles against the Bengals, the Bengals' offensive line is horrible. So, like, they got eight sacks today. But if, if, if you filled I, – I, I never fault anyone for their defense. So, like, if yep. you built the lineup and whatever you fell on and whatever amount of points you got, I, I, don't, I don't call you stupid. Even though the Eagles were, like, the chalk, they got eight points. Uh, when in doubt, I'll play like if I'm in. If I have twenty nine hundred, I'll play the I'll play the Eagles and leave the hundred rather than whoever's at twenty nine hundred because I know they'll be chalky. So just in case they have a pick six, I'm not going to lose because of that. So, so yeah. So like defense, I never really even. I, I, I you typically don't pay up in cash games for a defense unless there's like humongous value, right? And you can. 
but we didn't. I, really- I think on on Fanduel you could have paid up this week. It, the it was so soft. Like if you ended up on the Colts on Fanduel, I think like it was it was very doable um, on Fanduel. Just like I know we're talking more DraftKings, but right. I, just I think to point I think the out. Bucks Bucks were chalk on. They were yeah they were Fandle. really they popular. did well also yep. Um, so let's kind of like, let's look at like the $25 single entry double up here so we can kind of like compare and, you know, look at like the difference and, um, you know, obviously we still saw like, you know, if we're looking at quarterback first here, we still saw like a lot of concentrated ownership on Murray, Wilson, and Dak. Um, Murray was still 60%. Wilson was 15%. Dak was six. Um, you know, that takes up 81% of the ownership of quarterback, Again, I feel like people were a little getting a little cute with Newton and, and Trubisky. Like for me, it was still like it was one of those three guys. Like <laughs> those games had like fifty-five plus over/unders. Um, you know, you were playing one of those three guys. Right. What I like doing in results DB is you go to the ownership section uh, that, and you could pick the contest that you compare the ownership against. Now, in the massive five-dollar double up, that's the one that's multi-entry. 150 yep. entries. So you could uh, you could put in as many as you want. So typically sharper players put in a lot of entries. The single entry $25 double up, yeah, it's more money, but you can only put everyone can only put put in one entry. So typically the disparity because the massive $5 double up has like what 30,000 entries, but every sharp player is typically putting in 50, 100, 100 and they're putting in trades. They're not putting in individual different lineups. So the ownership in the massive $5 multi-entry is going to probably be sharper than the single entry ones. And you could see that and you compare the Delta between the two to see the difference in quote skill, right? Just the sharper players versus the less, I mean, it's more evened out. So like the difference between you, I'm looking for the bigger differences. So for instance, like Devin Singletary was 40, nearly 46% in the multi-entry, but only 32 in the single entry, a big discre- a bigger discrepancy. Like Deontay Johnson was plus 7%. Uh, Logan Thomas was plus 5%. Hopkins was plus 8%. Taylor was plus 7%. Sanders was plus 11%. Lockett was plus 10%. So you kind of look at the, and then if you see minuses, that means kind of more of the, the single entry, the, the I don't want to call them less sharp players, but I mean a less sharp field played them. So you could take a look and see like who has played that probably maybe you shouldn't have played. Like for instance, McKinnon was more owned in the single entry. Uh, Terry McLaurin was 10% owned in the single entry, only 5% in the multi-entry because probably shouldn't have been playing McLaurin in cash at 5,900 when you could play a Cowboy or a Seahawk or Allen Robinson or something in that range. But you could always scroll down. I mean, I, I can't name it. Eckler, for instance, 4% <laughs> in the massively $5. But 7% in the single entry. So that's, that's that, that should show you. Yeah, 31 points. Congratulations, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, like... Listen, you, Mike you know, Davis got 23 points. When did that happen? I didn't even pay attention to that. No, it was there crazy. Was like, that was 5,100 that you could have played, but that was 2% in the multi-entry, 6% in the single entry. But to me, Stevie, you understand what I'm doing here. Like it's not a right. matter of like the results oriented thing. Cause like Deontay Johnson was like mega owned and got like no points because he got concussed. Like 
It's better instead of looking at the winning lineup that you just look at the good players' lineups. Because yep. there are tons of good players that lose in a given week. Over the course of a year, they're profitable. So you want to make the profitable decisions, even if the results didn't turn out that way. And according to this, fading Hopkins and playing Eckler wasn't. <laughs> but you got there. Listen, I'm not. Well, I'm that's not, the lineup. Hey, hey, you get like if you're playing a lot of head-to-heads, I don't blame you. Right. No, but like it, again, I'm not a typical cash game player either. Right. So like, I'm not going to have the chalky cash. But like, that's what's going to be fun about doing the show with you every Sunday is like <laughs> you play that guy in cash games. <laughs> like, so yeah, your, see, your lineup felt more like something that you'd play. In, in a small single entry that you'd also throw into double ups. Right. No, I, I, I do that. Like I play a lot of three man's double ups, single entry stuff. So um, like, it just, it's just one lineup for everything for me um, when it comes to that. And then like, I do like 20 entry maxes and like three entry maxes and like, you know, we'll, we'll get into that like here, you know, we're, we're cruising along um, and we'll get into more of that stuff. But what Jordan is saying um, is like when you open results DB, go to ownership, type in the select contests, you know, you'll be able to look at, you know, when you're, when you're looking at this Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, you'll be able to look at these single entry double ups and you'll be able to, you know, compare like what was everyone doing at 25? What was everyone doing at five? What were the top players doing? Like who's the top cash players that we need to be looking at stuff like that. So, um, you know, when you're looking at, you know, all that stuff. What is going to be the most optimal way to build my lineups each and every week? Um, you know, so that's, that is what we're trying to do. We're not, right. we're not here talking Austin Eckler or anything like that. It's, we're joking between the two of us, but um, at well, the end Stevie, of the day, we, you also know that I play like my cash lineup. I play like 300 head to head. Like I'm looking to play like, right. the, like there's no ups. Like it, I don't put that in single entry GPPs. I don't put like, it's built purely for median and I want to win as many, you know, I want to win 70 plus percent of my head to heads. And I, there, there, that's, and I, I play 90% of my volume in that one lineup. And it doesn't mean, Hey, I didn't, that lineup of mine did not cash in double ups, but it's still won like 36% of head to heads. So it's not like I lost all my money, but like, that's, I know what I know how you play. That's why, like, when you mention your lineup, it's like, yeah, you probably have it in like the power sweep or something. You pre- like you have it in some type of single entry where that makes sense that I wouldn't play my lineup in. Yeah, for sure. So, um, all right. Well, let's we we've kind of started talking um, a little bit more tournaments. I, I feel like cash games this week. Cash games were you know really straightforward. I, I feel like at quarterback, you were playing Murray. At running back, you were playing, you know, Sanders, Taylor. Like, and Taylor's price, like, was kind of like an iffy price tag. And, like, you mentioned Mike Davis. And, like, Mike Davis got so much hype, like, Monday and Tuesday when the Christian McCaffrey news, like, came out. And then, like, by the end of the week, like, projected ownership was, like, 5% on him. And, like, it was, like, it was crazy to see, like, how the tides changed so much on Mike Davis from the beginning of the week until the end of the week. Um, you could I, say I the did... same for McKinnon. Because what, yeah. ha- what happened is that you get early news. You know, Sunday's games happen. You're like, okay, Must- Mustert is out. Coleman is injured. Uh, and then McCaffrey's out. So you're like, okay, Mike Davis time. 
All they have is Reggie Bonafone. He's not going to do much. And you're like, oh, well, McKinnon's the next guy up. And then throughout the – then you see the practice reports later in the week, and they're like, oh, Jeff Wilson's going to get a lot of touches. And you're like, oh, do I want to play McKinnon at 4,900 if Wilson's going to be there? And then what ends up happening is that Zach Moss gets injured, and you have Singletary at 4,900, and you go – well, that's so much odd. That's that, that saves me from rostering Mike Davis, <laughs> right? And then, and now Mike Davis is six percent up. All right, um, we wanted to talk about the hundred dollars single entry tournament, um, the five hundred k spy over there on um, DraftKings. Uh, so. I'm pulling that up really quick here. I had it up and then uh, I went into like the ownership thing really quick and was looking at that kind of stuff. But um, I do really quick why we're, why I'm switching over here. I do want to say like results DB on showdown slates is where you can really, really like gain an edge on the field too. Um, Just wanted to throw that out there. All right. So I have the hundred K to first 500 K single entry hundred dollar spy tournament over there. We can, I guess we'll, we'll start here kind of with like the, the winning lineup, um, put up 234 points. Like the huge difference maker was like Gallup and Graham, but like the overall roster construction of this team, I was looking at it earlier today and I was like, interesting. Like you play, he played like it was a Seattle Dallas, like, Wilson, Lockett, Gallup um, stack, which is fine. Um, you know, Sanders with the Eagles defense. It had a lot of bones to what I like to build my teams with. I like to build my teams as game stacks within game stacks within stacks of other, like I will almost always, you know, try to stack a running back with a defense and, you know, take a quarterback with a wide receiver, tight end, running back, and then run it back with at least one of the other side. Like, one of my my best lineup today um, was three Seattle players or two Seattle players and two Dallas players. Like, and like, it's almost always game stacks for me, Jordan. And like, this team, when I'm looking at it, it's it's constructed really nice. Um, I never would have ended up on Robinson and Graham. But, like, the construction of the team is, is is solid. Right. I mean, that's pretty much what I do. I mean, I build and line up HQ. I hand build my – I was in the I was in the spy. I play single entry and I hand build. I build five hand build for the power – one in the power sweep, one in the, the smaller spy. And typically I build three ones, two twos, two one one, you know, like – and then the secondary correlations I try to put in as well. So – so what that means for, for those that have not, may not watch like the, the Roto Academy videos, if you're a premium member, you, you, you'll know most of this stuff because I've done videos, me and Brit and Squirrel Patrol. We have tons of stuff in Roto Academy. So sign up if, if you want to be a premium member. Uh, that we show that, like, let's say, for, for instance, in the, like the Dallas, the Dallas-Seattle game was the, the chalk game. So the 3-1 stack would be like Wilson plus Lockett plus Metcalf, and then you run it back with Cooper or Lamb or Gallup. But now you have slots available for a running back and a flex. So let, let's say you're going to play uh, Singletary. Well, you pick a Rams receiver with You play Cup, right? If you're going to – whatever running back, you're going to play uh, uh, in that spot. You're going to play Mike Davis. You're going to play Keenan Allen or Hunter Henry or something. So you have a 1-1 from both sides of the game because if the game goes back and forth and goes over – Typically, they correlate with that. The production 
more plays get get played and they're able to hit their ceilings. So that's what Stevie means by like a stack within a stack within a stack. And then you try to correlate as much as you can within reason. And uh, I just, I, I, as I normally do, uh, I typically fade, fade meaning going under uh, the chalkier games. And uh, the Seattle Dallas was, I mean, I think, I didn't play a single Seattle Dallas stack in single entry. And I was like twice under the field in multi-entry. So I lost, but I mean, I'm looking to hit one like the entire season. I was, I was actually on the game that I stacked. Well, it just didn't happen to be the highest scoring game. And that was, uh, that was the Vikings Titans game. Cause I, I was on a whole a Stevie. For the past four days, I I was on like a mission to find out why this game had a fifty total. It didn't sound <laughs> like it should have a fifty total. But I'm I not going to play a lot of. I played a lot of Henry, but I didn't play a lot of Jefferson. That's for sure. I had him in four lineups. He was point one five percent owned. But like, I, had, I had him with Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, Thielen, Jefferson, Henry. Davis. I was stacking the game any which way that I can, but I mean, I didn't get there. Um, so looking at ownership overall in this um, $100 single entry tournament, um, you know, we still saw like really heavily own Miles Sanders. And like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I, I ended up like playing him a lot in tournaments today. And like, sometimes I'm okay with like fading like chalky, like high owned, like running backs. But I, I feel like this was one of those spots where it was just like, it made a lot of sense to play him at his price. Right. The thing that I, but the thing that I don't understand is like, I understand, like, I'm going to go down, like, Deshaun Jackson was 7% owned, 7.9% owned. I understood the lineups that had him in it. Like, if you were going to fade Sanders and play Deshaun Jackson, so it's like negatively correlated. I get that. The thing that I don't get is like Boyd was 3% owned, Green was 3% owned. Like, it didn't seem like in the spy, at least for single entry. We'll see it more in, in the larger field that most people played Sanders as a one-off running back at 58% ownership and didn't try to correlate him. So like in my, in my, a lot of my entries with Miles Sanders, I just try, I tried to correlate him with Boyd or green play him in a burrow stack or something. So even though I'm playing a 58% owned guy, like the combination of him, his ceiling plus a 3% owned wide receiver ceiling makes me different. So like, that's the only thing that like a 58% owned guy is on a 13 game slate is not, is not something I want to eat unless, unless it's in contrarian stuff. Like in my Tennessee, Minnesota, I had Sanders because I knew Kirk Cousins was 1% owned and like, I don't, I don't need any leverage anymore. So like, give me Chuck Sanders. He's in the best spot. Yeah. I ended up playing, I think like 15% of Boyd overall today. So um, I, I liked him and I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, it's something that like, it's a flaw in my game too. Like I, and I ended up using Sanders a lot as like a one-off in, uh, like the 20 entry max. Like I, he was one of my highest own, um, players in general. Like I was, I was way under the field on him, like by like 20, 25%. Um, but like he was still one of my highest own. Um, so, 
I didn't get enough leverage with Boyd as I should have. And like, that's a flaw in my game that like doing these kind of shows going back and reviewing and like, is something that I always pick up on. Like, oh, I should have put, I like Tyler Boyd. Why didn't I play more Tyler Boyd with Miles Sanders? So, um, you know, Ken and Drake was popular. Hopkins was popular. We knew Arizona was going to be popular. They were a little like, just like kind of underpriced a little bit. Um, but, but here's but like, another, the, the same example yeah. happens here. Right, I mean, we. This take is what look. I was, I was going to say. The exact same thing that you're about well, to okay, say. Okay, like, so go and say it. What, no, it's Marvin just like Jones and Kenny Galladay only two right. Three like all of my Arizona stacks that I did today with Murray and Hopkins, or like I had of some Isabella. Like they all had either Marvin Jones, Galladay, Hawkinson, or Swift. Like in like every single one of like my Arizona. Like, it just didn't make sense. Like, when you were looking at some of the ownerships on some of those Detroit players were, like and, – and every contest across the board. It didn't matter, like, $3, $100. It didn't matter what it was. Not a lot of people correlated Arizona and Detroit as much as they correlated, like, Dallas and Seattle. Right, which is why I – I mean, every single one of my Murray Hopkins lineups had Galladay or Jones in it. I mean, like, I, I – I can't see myself playing the two chalkiest guys at each position combined. Like the, when you play a 30%, like in, especially in single entry, you're playing a 29% on Kyler Murray and a 32% on DeAndre Hopkins. Like that's like 15% of the lineups in the entire contest. Like, why don't you just plug in a 3% on Marvin Jones that correlates with that, with, with that combination. And now you're not share now, now, now we're going down and not, not, being 15% of the lineups. So yeah, that's one, that's what, that's, that's another thing I looked and pointed out. I mean, it's something that I look at in NBA. We talk yeah. about it in NBA where, you know, one side of the game is chalk and then no one's playing the other side of the game. And I just go, well, I'll just, whoever, who's the star on the other side of the game? He's 3% on for no reason. Well, how do my three guys go off without that guy going off? And it, it always befuddles me, especially when Drake is also 33% on. You can play Drake and Marvin Jones, Drake and Galladay. You don't even have to play Murray stacks. Like in some of my lineups that didn't have Kyler or Hopkins, I just played a 1-1, you know, like a Drake and a Marvin Jones and Galladay. And that's that's the – Drake gets in the end zone three times, you know, and, and Kyler and Hopkins don't get there. But to have all three guys be around 30% owned and no one correlated? I mean, not no one, but I mean – It was very up, low, like, very low. Like right. just all, all across the board, like very low correlated. Yeah, but everyone did that in the Seattle Dallas game. Like that's the thing you said the same thing that, well, people did in the Seattle Dallas game, but not in the other games. Like, yeah. like what? What? Why? Why was? Why was all the Cowboys and the Seahawks players? Maybe because that was the highest total game, and everyone just like rushed to that and just thought the lines would get run over, or the Bengals would get run over, and I don't know. And it it. it to, to me, to me, it's natural for me to do, and that's kind of yeah. how that is how you win. I understand it's more of a large field strategy. If you take a look at the milli, if you take a look at the nine dollars slant, you'll see, you'll see more correlation there. A lot of times in single entry, you don't need the maximum amount of correlation. So I understand why it's lower, but I still think three percent was way too low. It's crazy, and, and like it's just it it, it was kind of a little mind blowing, and like. I don't know. I, I I do it in every like single entry mass multi or whatever it is. Like I always try to correlate my lineup because like I, I'm shooting for first. I'm not playing to min cash. And I say that all the time. Like I'm not. 
I'm not playing a tournament to double up. Um, if I was going to do that, I'd build a super safe cash lineup and play double ups. Like, so I, I shoot to be in that top, top 10. Usually, you know, that's where you want to be blender. That's where the money starts to fill your pockets, buddy. Well, some of these contests, it's the top five. Or the top <laughs> one. Did you did you see the tomorrow's the um, one? Yeah, two million oh with one million to first. Like <laughs> I, I can't even. It's a thousand dollars to sixth place. It's I can't a two hundred and fifty thousand <laughs> entry contest. I can't even stomach playing those type of contests. Like it's just crazy. Um, all right, so we wanted to kind of switch it up. Let's go to the Wildcat here. Um, you know, the Wildcat is the one point five million dollar three hundred k to first tournament over there on. DK, it's the mass multi enter 333. Um, so like this is the big, you know, you can you can go through and you can look at like, you know, who are the guys that I want to be looking at, you know, each week and like kind of looking at that kind of stuff. Like I always like looking at like Brandon Adams, I like looking at Awesomeo, stuff like like those types of guys. Um so you know, looking at this tournament, like, again, like, we see the same type of ownership on, like, Miles Sanders across the board this week. And I still think, like, even in a mass multi-enter, like, you still didn't see a lot of Cincy run back on Sanders. And I feel like maybe it's just not sexy. Like, you, like even, like, the Detroit stack that we were talking about, it's not sexy to play those guys. Um, what are your thoughts when you're looking at the Wildcat? Uh, the wall, well, the Wildcat, because it is multi-entry and it's uh, more top-heavy, it's a little bigger tournament, uh, users uh, in that tend, tend to go a little off the board more. It's still, ch- I mean, chalk is chalk everywhere, so, I mean, whatever. But, I mean, we see that, like, the difference, like Calvin Ridley, like, I think, like, more Ridley-Robinson type of correlations, more, more, uh, more guys like... Zeke paying up at running back a little bit more because he was lower owned. I mean, Deshaun Jackson is leverage. We saw like more Thielen, like the Wildcat uh, Thielen was 11% owned, but in single entry was 6%. And in the Millie, he was 6.5%. I mean, I was like four times that. Uh, But like the correlations, I think it's the same thing with the large field. In the, in the Wildcat, people are more likely to play more correlative, a little bit more leverage lineups than in single entry. And the, the ownership shows. But, but understand, like I, I say this in Discord. I mean, this, the, the morning, this is like the, 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 the teaching morning grind show, uh, which, which is why I applaud Stevie's lineup construction, even though Austin Eckler was not a cash play. But in single entry be more inclined to be contrarian, but not, not that doesn't mean stupid contrarian. It means that look at the ownership differences between the contests. Mile, in single entry, Miles Sanders was way more chalkier. DeAndre Hopkins was a little more chalkier. Drake was way more chalkier. So that's, that, those are opportunities for leverage. So like if, if you wanted to fade Miles Sanders, it's almost better to fade him in the spy than in the milli. Because at 58% ownership, at four, he got 14 points. Essentially, you could have played a ton of other running backs and 60% of the field you would have had leverage on as opposed to 40% of the field in the Millie. So you don't have as much leverage. But if you're going to fade Sanders and play Eckler instead, 
the rest of your lineup, you could have you could have stacked the chalk game all you want. Like if you want to yep. do that, that's it's just the easiest way. If you're very beginning of learning what leverage is in GPPs, if you simply just said, I'm fading the chalkiest guy on the slate and then built the best lineup you can, that isn't that is not a bad approach. When the chalk guy busts, you're in a great spot to win. Yeah, like I ended up playing, um, like in the 20 entry max, I ended up playing like 15 or 20% of Burkhead. And almost every one of my Burkhead teams was the Seattle, Dallas, like types of stacks. And like, oh. like I had, again, like I had some really good teams today. Like I, it I was played just some like, Burkhead. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you yeah. crap for Burkhead. I had, yeah, it I had, made a ton of sense to play Burkhead today, but like, you know, um, like, and he it was, was like 1%, 1% owned in the everywhere, one everywhere. Yep. Um, so like, yeah, like, so I, I think this is something that like people over overthink and over, over like analyze way too much. Like you don't have to have 1% guys at every position in your lineup to be contrarian. Like, and, and like it is, I, I wonder if I could go back like eight years. Um, I've been doing this for like 11 years now. It's crazy. But like, if I could go back and like, count how many times i've like heard people to be contrarian you have to have everyone under five percent like i if i got a penny i'd be i'd be sitting on a a mountain of pennies like it's just you don't have to make everything in your lineup under five percent owned to be contrarian that is being dumb like there's no other like that's dumb you know you can you can play like one or two contrarian guys and build the rest of your lineup with the guys you think are like the best plays. Right. That's exactly what I did. I had my highest exposed guy was Miles Sanders. He was in, he was in most of my Vikings Titans stacks. He was in my, uh, who, who else did I, I played, you know, Eagles Bengals stacks, right? That type of, you know, obviously he's on the Eagles, but like in my borough run back type of stacks, he was in my uh, Matt Ryan, because Matt Ryan didn't come in. I mean, Ryan, the Ryan Ridley Gage Hurst was much lower on than I expected. But I mean, I played him. I mean, once I have a contrarian stack, I literally just play the best play. I, I have Hopkins in there. I mean, I tried to not play Sanders and Hopkins together as one offs. But for the most part, like, I tend to get contrarian with stacks, less so on one offs. I mean, I could, I could, uh, I could. YOLO and and a victory lap my four my four uh, Justin Jefferson Jr. lineups because he went nuts in that Vikings game but that was only a byproduct of me stacking that game it's not like I I had I, I had eight lineups with the Ola BC Johnson and he didn't do anything so it's just like I'm I'm playing Kirk I, I played 13 percent Kirk Cousins he was one percent owned do you think those lineups had contrarian running backs? No, I played Sanders, Taylor, and Drake. And the, I mean, like, <laughs> like that, why they, they were the best projected plays. I don't need to throw in, you know, guys that are, that I don't need to throw in. Oh, well, this is the time to play an OBJ McLaurin 1 1, which is not bad, but OBJ McLaurin 1 1 would work better in like a, in, in an Arizona stack because, yeah, now you have two contrarian wide receivers. So, like, it's not, and finding that 1% don't guy. Justin Jefferson was 0.15% owned or Cedric Wilson. I don't even know who that guy was until he <laughs> caught a touchdown. Did anyone have him? It's like, what was his ownership? Cause there's no way that anyone had him. 
No, literally 0% owned in the Spy, in the Wildcat, and the Millie. 0%. He put up 30 points, and he was, and he, he was the highest-scoring highest Dallas wide receiver, and no one had him. And it's not, you're not going to lose because of that. Like, I knew that once just, Justin Jefferson got 33 points, I had him in four lineups. It didn't mean I automatically won. It also doesn't mean you automatically lose because people you see in the Discord, if you're a premium member, you could see it. Something like Justin Jefferson happens and people, oh, no Jefferson, no cash. It's like he's less than 1% down, the likelihood of him being the There is nothing more annoying than that. <laughs> oh, man, a guy, a guy spins in NASCAR. Oh, he's DFS dead. No, he's not. <laughs> like, oh, nothing more annoying than that. Um, Like... We knew Seattle, Dallas is going to be popular. I, I felt like a guy like Micah Gallup um, was good leverage. Um, he like and like this is not results oriented uh, whatsoever. I think like guys like that. We knew CD Lamb was going to have a ton of ownership. Gallup, they both kind of like you know as far as like running routes, playing snaps, they they were kind of projected around the same. Um, so like I felt like that was a good leverage spot. Uh, looks like like. You see it in the higher dollar stuff, like his ownership definitely was a little bit higher. Um, but like, there, it just again, like you don't have to be crazy to be contrarian. Um, Allen Robinson had a monster day; like he was really he like he was twenty percent owned in the in the three thirty three. Um, the one thing that like I think the biggest difference between like the three thirty three and like the hundred dollar single entry tournament that we were talking about, like look at like quarterback and uh, tight ends. Um, like you see that ownership really start to get spread out um, when you start increasing the buy-ins and like with a 150 mass multi-enter. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and then compare it to the Millie, like in the Millie, I mean, you get, you get much, especially once you get down to like the contrarian plays, like there, I mean, you could go, you could scroll down. I I, I call it, uh, when I look at results DB on Monday mornings, let's see who paid the rake. Okay. Like you look at that and you start typing in people have gotten better. The first week of the season was disgusting. Like 5% of the field paid the rake. Uh, but like, I look at like Julio Jones was only 0.12% owned in the Millie. I expected him to be like 1% owned, which is like decreases the rake because he's obviously he's out. But I guess P, once as the weeks go on and the bad players don't play anymore, uh, that kind of goes away. But that's when I kind of look at the at the bottom. I go because you could find like five percent owned guys that are good plays, and you could also find five percent owned guys that you wonder how anyone got to them. Like, how did they fit in any lineup? Like Golden Tate was three point four percent owned for some reason. Like, yes, I get. I, objectively that game was not the best game to stack and i don't i mean i guess some people did it but like look cooper cup was two percent owned he put up 28 points so when people say they need to find the one percent owned guys these are the one percent owned guys very similar stevie to when we talk about nba how i win gpps is by playing good players that people just don't want to play for some reason or bad matchup, or they're all worried about someone else. You're going to win with a Josh Allen stack that has Cooper cup as a run back in that game, more so of finding Cedric Wilson. You're not going to be able to find the Cedric Wilson because we don't know who that is. T Higgins has two touchdowns. Unless you're willing to burn a lot of money, just trying to play 
0% on guys that have one good game out of 8 million. Like you, you don't win that way. So I, I look down in the sub 5% range and go, what good players were there? Right. That we had good players here. Stefan Diggs was 3% owned, right? Kyle Galladay was 2% owned in the Millie. David Johnson. I mean, he, he only got 12.6 points, but he was 2% owned and he got about as many points as Miles Sanders for 15 times the ownership. So Jeff Wilson was 2% owned, 21 points. Burkhead was 1% owned. All cheap running backs. And you could have, if you played those types of lineups with like Burkhead Singletary, you know what, who you got? Hopkins, Lockett, Metcalf, the Cowboys, and you stack that game and you're good. Yeah, just don't have a dud in every lineup like I did. Um, thanks, Chris Hogan. Um, yeah, I was just kind of looking really quick. Like, Jonathan Taylor had a lot of ownership. Um, and, like, I, I, you, he was so good last week, week two. Like, he was, he was the lock and load play in week two. I thought there was some leverage that could be had with Taylor this week. Like I, and like I, again, I played him in cash games. I think he was a fantastic cash game play, but I did think like I ended up underweight on him in tournaments. Um, man, like again, like I hate to say it, but like Austin Eckler, I felt like was one of the better leverage plays on the slate too. I feel like people were way too worried about Joshua Kelly, but um, well, and, I think like, everyone in that rage, I think if you played Eckler, Carson, Connor, like if, if you played a running back in like the 6K range yeah. that people weren't on, like as one of your three, I mean, I, I, I think that's perfectly acceptable. If you want to play uh, a leverage off a of Taylor, some people play T.Y. Hilton. Well, his grandma's going to be pissed off. He only had eight points. Uh, Derek Henry, like, you know, people yeah, overreact. Yep. Like people way overreact to like a bad week after being massive chalk. Um, and, like, I, I haven't even looked at, like, what week four has in plans for us. But, like, I could see, like, Kenyon Drake, super popular, really bad game, like, being under own next week. Just already, like, you know, not getting ahead of ourselves. But I could see that happening just because people overreact to bad games um, way too much. So, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to cover here? Um, you know, we talked about the Wildcat. We really haven't talked about the Millie Maker a ton, but like the Millie Maker is such a, a different tournament in itself. Um, like you look at like the ownership in the Millie Maker, and almost everyone is going to usually be under owned outside of like some cheaper running backs. Right. I like bringing up, you could do this in Results DB. You could go to the specific contest and then go to the ownership tab. And then you could bring up and you search for users. You could yep. sort by entries so you could look for the 150 maxers. And then you could compare them side by side. There are check boxes that you could go, oh, okay, I want to look at. So I, I brought up some RG guys like Kirk, like Kirkwood. I brought up some Cheese, some, uh, some Squirrel Patrol, some Keith Eister, some uh, Cam. Cam played 150 lineups, but you could also bring up guys like I like McLovin or Uticao or or any of the any of the top you know 20 players, Ricky D or Giant Squid, and you could look at look at what what were their exposures. At you could just see it. You could download the CSV also and do it yourself, but Results DB does it for you. So I looked at like Kirkwood. <laughs> I go by I, I'm going by stacks now, so I'm going by quarterback. Uh, they color coded in results DB, so you could easily see. Like blue means it's like heavily over, 
and like red means heavily under and green and yellow are kind of in betweens. Uh, Kirkwood had 64% Kyler Murray stacks. But if you look across the board, most people don't play. I mean, like the most amount of a stack that in 150 lineups they're playing is like 15%. So we don't see, it's not like, like even we take a look at Russell Wilson across the board, Utakau had 0%. But most people had 12%, 14%, 7%, 10%. Like I would have been like, 4%. Prescott, a little bit lower. Cam faded him completely. Utica pretty much faded. But I mean, I, you could just look through that. A lot of people had Trubisky. Cam had 14% Trubisky. Because typically the stack, if you're stacking in, in GPP, you can just look at the quarterback. So if I look at, if Cam has 14% Trubisky, that means I'm assuming he has Allen Robinson a bunch also, right? He had 14% Stafford. I'm assuming Galladay and Jones are in there. Right, because these all these all these guys know to correlate. So, like, I know Kirkwood has tons of Hopkins, uh, like Cheese played Baker Mayfield at six percent. So he probably had a bunch of OBJ. But then I look at like Uticao. Uticao did a lot of stuff that I did. Like went real. I mean, he went really under on the the, the Seahawks Cowboys game, and his highest exposed games were Eagles, Bengals, and Vikings, Titans, which is very similar to what I did. Uh, he didn't win. I didn't win. But the fact that he noticed that and I noticed that, I consider that uh, that's kind of a win. And I go to different players and go, where did they get leverage? They may have chose different games. Some some good players chose uh, the Rams-Bills and go, like, I'm going to go over on that and then under on the Cardinals. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Just I didn't go in that direction. So you could do that in results DB. And uh, and see how how they thought about things. Yeah, uh, for sure. Like I was just kind of looking. Like Chipotle and Cam both faded Kyler Murray um, in a one fifty build at quarterback. So uh, what uh, contest? Not, I'm looking at the nine dollars slant. Oh, I'm looking at the Millie Maker. Oh, okay. Well, I like can understand the, more in the Millie Maker with a one million prize. You just fade. You fade the chalky yeah. stacks. That's why, like the nine dollars slant. Is like the perfect, like it's a great payout. It's the, probably the best payout structure contest on DraftKings with 50K to first and then 40K to second and then 30K to se- third. Like it's very flat, 2X min cash, 150 max at $9. So it makes it accessible. If you want to build 40 lineups, it, uh, it's 360 bucks. It's not, it's not as, you know, you, you, could, you, could, you could do some damage and it's not like either you win first place or you lose. So like, that's why I like looking at exposures for there because like you said, the Millie Maker is a very special tournament that people may do crazy things that aren't like the best way to do things because you kind of have to do crazy things to win that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was just, I was looking in and like Chipotle took massive stands on like Allen Robinson. Um, Osimo took a massive stand on like Amari Cooper. Um, Al Smizzle took a huge stand on like KJ Hamler. Like he played 36% of him in a 150 build on the Millie Maker. So I was just, I was just like looking through um, some of the guys that like I like to look at and right. just kind of like see. Like Cam in the slant, massive underweight stand on Miles Sanders. You're only 8%. Yeah. See, he played 11% in the Millie Maker on Sanders. So like he, he made up his mind on where he was going to be. The thing, the thing that I do think was interesting, like um, 
He played old man AJ Green. Like he played a lot of Joe Burrow, um, twenty six percent Burrow, and he played a lot of AJ Green with him. Um, still had like fourteen percent Boyd, um, but old old man AJ Green did not get the job done for him. So, uh, yeah, and, and like, like I need, but even like Kirkwood, like I'm taking a look at like he had tons of Kyler Murray, tons of DeAndre Hopkins. Who who do you think uh, in the blue in the blue corner? Uh, he had tons of Devin Singletary as as a one off. If he, if he had tons of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, when I mean tons, I mean he was 64% Murray and 45% Hopkins. Who do you think his next owned wide receiver was in, as exposure? Who was his highest owned quarterback again? Murray and his highest owned wide receiver is Hopkins. Who would be his second highest owned wide receiver? Um, I feel like this is a trick question. Um, no, no, it's a, it's a, it's a review question from before. Uh, Marvin Jones, 34. I was, I was going to guess Marvin Jones or right. Galladay. Galladay at 22%. So it makes large yeah. field GPPs. He's running three plus ones, two plus twos, three plus twos. If he's going to go heavy on Kyler, he's going to, he's going to, if that's a massive game, if that game goes 42, 35 or something, he better have the other side of the game. For sure. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up here for week two or week three. Um, I want to go back to week two. I won week two. Can we go back to week two? I want to go back to like 20 laps to go in the NASCAR race, but we can't always get what we want either. So, um, Blender, it's always fun. I'm I'm pumped to be doing this um, on Sunday nights and for the Monday podcast each and every week. If there's any like questions that you guys have that you want us to answer, like just tweet us on Sunday and like we'll incorporate it into the show and you know chat about it. And like I think the biggest thing this week is just even though it might not have been sexy to play like Galladay or Marvin Jones or some of these other guys, like you know you could be contrarian without being stupid, and you could be stupid without being contrarian. That's right. <laughs> it works the other way also. That's going to wrap it up here for Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. I don't know what we're talking about on tomorrow's podcast yet, uh, but we'll be back tomorrow. We got MLB playoffs right around the corner and stuff like that. So pump for the week and um, pump for some baseball. Playoff time is always one of my favorite times for DFS baseball. So that's going to wrap it up. We'll be back tomorrow, and uh, good luck in your Monday night football contest, and we'll see you then.